0: Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live in Boise, Idaho. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we triple the story power in our show inspired by the classic TV game show title, To Tell the Truth. As part of our season, Be in the Game, each story in this show has three storytellers, but the story only belongs to one of them, Two our imposters. In today's episode, we set out to cycle from Cape Town to Cairo, and then we rip a new one. Can you guess whose story it is, and the storyteller who is actually telling the truth? It's game time, and it's story time. All right, storyteller number one, what
1: is your name, please? Hi, my name is Nick Warden, and this is my story.
2: My name is Ted Kuntz, and this is my story.
3: My name is Lita Harris-Newstetter, and this is my story.
1: Okay. So I attempted to ride a bicycle across Africa, not the belt of Africa per se, but more the like seatbelt or sash of Africa, so to speak. I, it's, it was an approximately 8,000 mile trip that I planned out beginning in South Africa, traversing up through Namibia, then across through Zambia, Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, and then up into Egypt. And the plan was to end in Cairo. And I began this trip, again, it was a bike trip. I began this trip, I flew into Cape Town, I had my touring bike, I had a couple of panniers, and I had um, a few things to bring with me, small number of clothes, an emergency kit in case I needed to stay the night somewhere. But my plan was to travel light and find places to stay along the way. And it was a hot time of year, so I really didn't need to bring very much. So I hop on my touring bike and I I head out. The first 1,300 miles went Okay, there were a few problems. One was the fact that I hadn't done a great job of developing the physical fitness necessary to make this anything other than you know a, a very difficult grind and a very difficult undertaking. Um, it was also extremely hot that time of year. I traversed into Namibia just fine, but Namibia is a place full of a significant quantity of desert. You know, it's about one and a half times the size of Texas. But with a population much much less, and you know sparsely populated in a lot of a lot of deserts, so it was very very hot. And, but again, the first 1,300 miles went okay, and then I started to hear as I was in kind of the back country of Namibia, very obscure parts of Namibia, word about the coronavirus, COVID, COVID, COVID. I was surprised to learn that word of COVID and the the uh, the, the contagiousness of COVID had reached the most obscure parts of you know the African back country in Namibia, but you know, so we have it. Um, you know, people started, people were very much aware of it and, and were making me aware of it as I traveled through. Um, but things started to go, you know, things were still going okay. And, and I kept going through Namibia and I transitioned into, into Zambia. And the day after I crossed the border into Zambia, the borders shut. The border behind me shut and borders throughout Africa started to shut down. And so essentially now about 2 months into my trip I was I was trapped in in Zambia. And so I continued through my through my trip uh, and ended up in Livingston, Zambia, which some of you might know it's it's kind of proximate to Victoria Falls. It's a very common tourist destination. But anyway, I was essentially trapped there for a period of about 5 to 6 months waiting around for the borders to open and not knowing what to do, but very much determined to see this through. And you know, it was right about that time that the president of Tanzania got onto the television and started talking about how Tanzania was protected by God and coronavirus was a hoax and that from his perspective, there was nothing wrong with opening the borders. And so he did. He opened the border to Tanzania. And even though I had some strong reservations about the prospect of traveling across the border, knowing that you know there was obviously the significant public health risk, but also very much determined to try to move forward with this trip, um, you know. Now having been trapped in 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 uh, Zambia for five to six months in Livingston, I decided to just go ahead. I, I think my, my my will sort of overcame me, and I decided to go ahead. So I crossed the border into Tanzania, and w- without without many problems.
2: And there at the uh, and there at, at the Tanzania border. It's just unbelievable that they even let me in. I mean, they gave me a look over and made sure I had a pulse. No COVID test of any sort of significance. And I'm pedaling again. I lost a fair amount of fitness in Zambia. So it's kind of like I'm starting over again out here. It's uh, it's long and it's hard. And just utter determination forced the pedals all day long. No one's wearing a mask in Tanzania because their president, who believe it or not, his name is John Maga Um <laughs> He. He says it's a hoax that God protects Tanzania. It's a special place. So, um, but anyway, it's, the good news is I can pedal and definitely socially distancing, but, um, I make it to Dar es Salaam, the capital city. I catch a ferry over to Zanzibar, which is a famous Island where none less than Freddie Mercury was born. And we're talking, the Zanzibar is a, is a very special place. We're talking white sand beaches, uh, gorgeous teal waters, um, it's like a scene out of Baywatch, except everyone is Muslim. The women are wearing full burqas on the beach. Imagine Pamela Anderson in a burqa, maybe David Hasselhoff in a full tunic with a kufi cap. Um, but it was paradise. I mean, this place was absolutely enchanted. And I rested there for a week to try to get some, some strength back. Because believe me, it's a force of will out there. I mean, it's every day is forcing against nature. But after a week or so, or maybe a little more, in Zanzibar, I went back to the mainland on a ferry... And I pedaled all the way, oh, two or 300 miles to um, Mount Kilimanjaro, Um, the highest mountain in Africa. In fact, I think it's like 19,000 feet. And I find a guide, and um, we climb to the summit, and we get back down. And I get on the bicycle again, probably as fit as ever now, and I I pedal 50 miles up the road towards the border of Kenya, and they tell me at Kenya, now, they're sort of open, but you have... They tell me there that you have to have a COVID negative test. And I'm thinking I, I didn't get a COVID test and I kind of thought you would have the facility here. They tell me I got to go all the way back down, 50 miles, get this test, get a negative and come back in within two days or three days. And the uh, as I'm going out to my bike, a little dejected, but I'm still high on endorphins from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I, I remember I have a certificate in my, in my bag for having, in my pannier on my bicycle for having climbed this mountain. And I took it inside to the to the uh, to the border station guys and the health officials, and I said, "Look, here's your health certificate right here. I just and it's here's a certificate that I climbed Kilimanjaro. It's signed by my guide. It's signed by signed by the park ranger. And I mean, you can't get any more healthier than this. This is healthy as a horse. <laughs> and I know, of course, this is a fallacy. I could be completely asymptomatic. But they looked me over and they looked at this document with reverence and they let me into to, to to Kenya." And I proceed through Kenya uh, on the road to Nairobi, a giant metropolis that's like a scene out of Mad Max. And then I eventually head cut straight north for the border of Ethiopia, across vast deserts up there. There's nothing but Maasai tribesmen and and uh, and uh, Islamic radicals coming across the border from uh, from Somalia. It's a little it's a little tough out there, but I make it to the border of Ethiopia. I check into a very nice hotel run by a very sweet Muslim family. And I go to the border, and it's completely closed and guarded shut. And I go, and I try to find some way to get through. But there is no way. I'm hoping someone gives me an opportunity to pay a bribe or something, but it's just not happening. So I, uh, I got to think about what to do next.
3: Okay. So Ethiopia is closed. I'm hanging out in this nearby border town, in this hotel, um, and I start having these fantasies. Like, it's really, it's like a ghost town. I mean, this border town is basically, besides the hotel, it consists of like this one office with this one guy sitting at this desk, just very firmly like, you know, like this is not, this is not happening. Lady, turn around, you know? So. I mean, really, what can he do? I'm thinking, I've got this bike. It's a touring bike. It folds up, right? I just have two panniers. I could dress in black. I can get over that fence. You know, I'm traveling light. I mean, I don't think it'd be that hard. It's not really guarded. Maybe I could do this. And I'm having this, like, conflict of consciousness because I already cheated my way into Kenya in the first place with that document that wasn't really a document, you know, and I'm just like, how far are you going to take this, you know? Um... So the, the guy who owned the hotel, he and his wife, who was gorgeous, by the way, she's beautiful, they decide to give me a ride into the Central Plains area. And this car ride, he has this like beat up blue Honda. I fold up my bike, put it in the trunk. And the whole time that we're driving, he's just gnawing on this cat. And when I say cat, I don't mean he's gnawing on a feline. You might think that. It is not a feline. It's like a it's a native plant there and it's a stimulant. And like when I say stimulant, I mean like in the nineteen eighties it was classified as a drug of abuse, if you look it up. It's a drug of abuse. So this guy's just like <laughs> chain smoking <laughs> And I'm just like, Oh my god, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it like and I'm looking at his wife and I'm like, How are you with this guy for one thing? But like is he always like this? I mean it was uh, it was pretty harrowing. So we get to the, you know, we get to the Central Plains area and I end up, I mean, having a great time, but I'm really, I'm just stalling. I'm just hanging out. I'm hanging out in Kenya, waiting for Ethiopia to open. And the whole time I'm there, I'm just really having to check myself like, Lita, what are you doing? You know, I know I have this goal that I'm going to get to Cairo, I'm going to bike to Cairo, this is what I said I'm going to do. But at some point, it's like, how long am I just going to linger around before I finally Admit that this is not going to happen. And um, I did consider going through Somalia, but that was really, that would have been really a dangerous route. So after many come to Jesus moments with myself, I finally had to accept that my goal of biking to Cairo was not going to happen.
0: All right. Thank you, storytellers. Now we're going to bring up our first audience panel. You will all need to unmute your microphones, uh, and uh, you will have a chance to ask one question for each of our storytellers, and you can do that by saying storyteller number one, this is my question. You can ask the same question of each storyteller, or you can have different questions for each storyteller, whatever you want to do. Uh, Let's start with, uh, well, we've got two groups of couples here. Uh, Let's start with the couple dressed, it looks like, in gray. (laughs) Uh, Yes, long hair and no hair. Uh, (laughs) All right, welcome. What are your names? Your son.
3: Hey, Jody, Michaela and
0: Jordan. It's Michaela and Jordan. Very good. All right. So we're going to let you loose to ask your questions of the storytellers. Go ahead. One question for each storyteller.
2: Um, story number, storyteller number one, what was your profession before starting this trip?
1: Um, I work in I work in I.T. I still do, um, although I was a contractor. And so at the time, you know, I, I I had saved up the money and had the time to just go ahead and 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 do this. Next problem. Next question.
2: Uh, storyteller number two, same question. Um, I had two very different professions. I worked in finance, we managed giant bond portfolios, and I also was a school bus driver.
0: <laughs> and your last question. Same
3: question for you, storyteller number three. I wear mini hats. I do a lot of gig work. I'm a musician, I'm a counselor, I'm a teacher, so... I have total control of whether I'm working or not. I can take a break anytime I want.
0: All right. Thank you. Now let's move to Ruth with her questions.
3: Hey. <clears throat> so um,
4: question for all contestants. When and how did you get back to the United States?
0: All right. Well, let's go down the line.
1: Um, so I actually flew out of, out of Kenya where I was stuck.
2: I flew out of Kenya, um, uh, over the North Pole to Seattle, and then on in.
3: I flew out of Kenya.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to be a hard one to cipher, I guess. All right, and our last group of questions from our other couple. Here they are. Um, Hey, storyteller
1: number one. Did you wear a coat and brown shoes while you were biking through Africa? (laughs) No, I didn't. Um, I I, I didn't bring very many clothes, but no, I wasn't wearing this when I was biking through Africa. Thank you.
0: Storyteller number two. What's the significance of the bandana around your neck?
2: Oh, it's uh, it's a fashion accessory, but it also doubles as a a semi-coherent COVID mask.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Storyteller number three. Were you more afraid of having to deal with Islamic rebels or with a guy who was
2: strung out on cat while he was driving you around? <laughs> um,
3: Got to admit, he was actually a little bit scary in his friendly, maniacal way. He was a little bit scary, but the rebels. The rebels by far.
0: All right, thank you, audience panel. Think about who you're going to select, who you think is, this story actually happened to, And we're going to let our rest of our audience have a chance as well. We have a poll that we'll launch here uh, that lists the three storytellers. You can go ahead and use your computer to select who you think the story belongs to. Number one, number two, or number three. We'll just have just a few seconds for you to give your feedback there. I still see people logging in. And we will share that poll after we hear from the three storytellers. So uh, our first group, who do you select as, let's say, that's Jordan and Michaela. Who do you select as the original storyteller?
5: Storyteller number
0: three. Storyteller number three. All right, Ruth, who do you select? Number two. And also number two. Okay, we have two votes for two, one vote for three. Let's go ahead and check our poll. Who does the audience think the original story belongs to? We're going to end that poll, and then we'll share it and see who they selected. They, oh, There were votes for everybody, but it looks like they also selected number two. Well, let's find out. Will the person whose story this belongs to please reveal yourself?
2: My name is Ted Kuntz, and this is my story.
0: Storyteller number two, Ted Coons. There he is. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we know it really was his story. <laughs> and we're going to bring up the next set of storytellers. Some of you might be in this round, too. What is... Is your name, please?
3: My name is Lita Harris Newstetter, and this is my story. My name is Patty O'Hara, and this is my story. My name is Jessica Holmes, and this is my story. So, my story takes place back in eighth grade, and as many people are when they're in eighth grade, I was pretty obsessed with fitting in, and in eighth grade. The crowd I wanted to fit in to was the preppy crowd. Ninth grade is when I became a punk rocker. Eighth grade, totally preppy, obsessed with things like Izods, Polos, Sperry Soul Topsiders, and having name brand was everything. Unfortunately, my mom worked for a peace organization, and she couldn't afford to buy me all these expensive clothes that I wanted so she would make a deal once a year we could get some of these name brand things and so I had a couple name brand items in my closet that I would bring out for my special occasions make me feel good okay so meanwhile our house was like the house to hang out with we had the cool house so the neighborhood kids would come over to our house and we'd hang out and there was this one neighborhood kid who was my crush and he was like Capital C crush, like my crushy crush crush, <laughs> um, and he did not hang out at our house very much, but on this one occasion, he was going to come over and hang out with the group, so this is the big deal. So I get my bestest outfit. I just so happened to have some new khaki shorts. And they were like the Izod ones with a with the pleat or with the cuff around the bottom, you know. I look good in those shorts. Had my eyes shirt on. Like this is the best outfit. Um, and so we, for some reason, go over to his aunt's house. She lived in this cute little yellow house on 28th street. And so we go to hang out at her house, but she's like not there. So we're not allowed to actually go in the house. We're just hanging out on the lawn. So I don't know. You do things that don't really make sense when you're a kid. So we're hanging out outside and I managed to get my crush away there's like this little side kind of porchy area and i get him alone for a minute right so i'm all a flutter i got him alone i gotta be charming i gotta be flirty i gotta figure out something you know um and i remember he's sitting down and i'm standing and i'm trying to be cute and probably laughing or thinking i'm funny and and i lean over and all of a sudden Out comes a little fart. (laughs) And I'm mortified. And before I can even think, I say,
4: oh no, I ripped my shorts. (sighs) Yes, right there. And I took my hand and I put it right over where the shorts would have ripped if they actually had ripped, but that's where the sound came from. But I put my hand there. He looked over like, oh, yeah, right, you ripped your shorts. And he, he goes and takes off to hang out with our friends. Well, there I am. Oh, my God. Okay, I just farted in front of my crush, and I, I just I to- told him I ripped my shorts. I've Now I have to rip my shorts. So I uh, there I am, and I got to do it fast, if. If it's going to take more than three minutes, I'm in trouble because the other kids are going to start to think something's up here and she's probably doing something to her shorts. I have to rip my beautiful new khaki shorts. I'm, okay, okay, i got to work fast. And I, I worked, I like tried to rip them and... It, dang they were they were really well made khaki shorts i was not making headway trying to rip them okay that's not working okay all right i i I could knock on the door and and uh, yeah i could knock on the door and ask for scissors yes hello i'm i'm here hanging out and i need a scissors to cut my brand new khaki shorts because i just farted in front of my crush and i need to that wasn't going to work besides that i wasn't even supposed to be here i'm i 'm supposed to, we're we 're we're sneaking around we 're on this porch that i 'm not even supposed to be on, okay, I got to find something to help me rip these shorts i 'm looking around little porch uh, there 's a chair it 's got a little loose wicker that 's not going to work if there 's like a letter opener, a scissors, something anything and there 's a shelf. I go to the shelf, I feel around something sharp serrated it 's a garden knife, a rusty old steak knife. they must have used for the garden, yes, yes. I take that steak knife and I just start to work those little threads on the seam and toink there's one yes yes toink another one. Oh god yes I'm ripping my shorts my khaki shorts toink oh god I ripped my shorts okay time's wasting I rush back to the group
5: So there I am back in the yard, and the whole point is to get him to notice that I rip my shorts. So, in my imagination, he comes over concerned and says, Can I look at your rip? And I show him, and he's like, Of course, you didn't rip one. You ripped one. And, (laughs) and, I knew that you wouldn't fart because you are an angelic being of non-embarrassing humanity who would never excrete a gas from her ass. And I want to take you, precious flower, and kiss you like we're in a teenage movie. So that's what I imagined would happen, and that's exactly what did not happen. In fact, nobody cared less that I was gone. Um, Nobody really noticed. So I had to first create a scene and gather people over to show them that I had ripped my shorts. So I was like, Sarah, oh my gosh, look at this, my new khaki shorts, I ripped my shorts. Uh, And she was like... I kind of see that. I didn't do a very good job, apparently, ripping my shorts. Um, And uh, so I was making this big commotion. And I hear him over on the other side of the yard. His friend asks, what's going on over there? And he says, oh, nothing. Jessica just farted. (laughs) And my fantasies died that day. (laughs) the truth the truth hit me and it's a truth that's lasted the rest of my life about crushes that no matter what dramatics you put on or how much effort you put into it to get your crush to care if they don't care about you it doesn't matter so uh, what I learned that day is the truth hurts (laughs) and that is my story
0: Alright, so since Caitlin and Adam are new to this round, let's go ahead and start with the two of you, and you can ask a question of each of the storytellers, it can be a different question, or the same question for all three, go ahead.
5: Okay, we have a question for all three, Um, what is your favorite
3: punk rock band?
0: Uh Uh-huh. So we'll go in order, one, two, three.
3: Uh, Bad Brains.
5: Sex Pistols. Do the Pixies count as punk rock? Uh, probably
0: not. <laughs> Undecided, <laughs> but that is your answer. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's go to Nicole, and you have a question for each storyteller.
3: Um, this is a question for all storytellers, um, and it's kind of a little like a dual question. Um, but what was the what was the side street you lived on? The cross street the closest cross street and which house is yours? Or was the one that you were in on the porch? So this, the street that we lived on or the street that we were hanging out at? The cross street and what does the house look like? So the, the house was on 28th Street. The closest cross street would be Irene and it's a cute little yellow house and it is still there today.
4: Yeah, the house was on 28th Street, and the cross street was Irene. It's this really cute little yellow house.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was 28th Street with the cross street Irene. It's yellow. It's adorable. All right. <laughs>
0: hmm. There could be uh, the use of logic could help. With that, I think. All right, let's go to our good friends, Michaela and Jordan, for their round of questions.
3: Okay, we also have the same question for all three storytellers. We're wondering what year this unfortunate incident occurred. It was the year 1983.
5: 1969. It was 1993.
0: Okay, and those are questions. Uh, So now we get to go back to a poll to let the rest of our audience weigh in on who they think the storyteller whose story this is. Ripping a new one. Uh, You can choose number one, number two, or number three. And they're weighing in. Look how cute they all are. Aww. And none of them have ripped pants tonight. (laughs) And uh, it's been very quiet up here on stage tonight as well.
3: I came in wearing this backwards, though. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm wearing mine backwards. We That's had to so turn funny. it around because
5: of my <laughs> I just realized right. it's backwards.
0: While, the, while everyone is weighing in, let's go ahead and go to our audience panel and find out who they think this story belongs to in the same order that uh, you asked your questions. So we'll start with Caitlin and Adam. Whose story do you think this is? They're going to go with storyteller number one. All right. Nicole, whose story do you think it is? Three? Number three. And Jordan and Michaela? Number three. All right. And let's look at our poll results and see who the rest of the audience is picking. And it looks like the audience is going to go with uh, Caitlin and Adam, I think it was, who chose number one. Is that right? Uh, So the audience has chosen that. Will the person whose story this belongs to please reveal yourself?
3: My name is Lita Harris-Newstetter, and this is my story.
0: (laughs) And it is storyteller number one, Lita's story. (laughs) She got to be an imposter for one and a storyteller for one. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to see the storytellers in addition to hearing them, this entire show is available on our Story Story Night YouTube channel. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, podcast production by Stephen Baldessari. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. Story Story Night is a member of the Boise Arts and Culture Anti-Racism Coalition, which builds on our commitment to be a platform where people tell their own stories. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.